Many of you know Axis deer is considered to be the best tasting venison on the planet. I've been hearing that for years. And that those deer cause some ecological harm. Well, Maui Nui Venison is bringing those Axis deer to the market. So you can get some fresh cuts and sticks shipped to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I, venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. Yeah, Steve, they're very comfortable, they're very fashionable, and I enjoy wearing mine around the office and anywhere I go. Stop by your local Tacova's store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacova's.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Did you see the note, the email, from a guy about uh, uh, his his some guy he was camping with getting mauled by a northern pike? No. Yeah. Didn't catch that one. Washing dishes. In a lake off at the end of a dock. Come on. Really? No and way. the northern must have been shiny plates or something. The northern the came up. The northern came up and it was like a barracuda. Huh. Came up and gashed the dude's hand real bad. And then his hand started festering and it wound up being a pike tooth stuck in there. No shit. Oh wow. my God. You're it's never interesting, safe. isn't it? No, you're never safe. Never. You think you're just washing dishes. <laughs> Mauled by a fish. Mauled by a northern. Oh God! You're feeling, wow. feeling all safe in those northern woods. You're like, there ain't no grizz here, no mountain lions, <laughs> no. and all of a sudden, ah! I might have talked about this before. Do you know what happened to my brother-in-law? Mm. Um, he, you know, you remember when skiing? Remember water skiing? I do remember water skiing. <laughs> um, yeah, but water skiing lost its uh, lost its cachet with the advent of the wakeboard. When I was a boy. Uh, Long time ago. People water ski on skis. <laughs> well, if you were really good at it, you would barefoot. You guys know what that is? Yes. Oh, I'm yeah. from Minnesota. Skiing with no skiing with no skis. I'm from no Minnesota. Skis. I still water ski. Yeah, like you'd lay on, you'd put a wetsuit on or not. I think you'd, I think barefooters would typically wear a wetsuit. You'd put a wetsuit on and you'd lay on your back and kind of like, like, so you'd lay on your back and take the ski, hold the ski handle, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then you'd grab the rope with your feet. Oh, like you'd hold the rope? Yeah, so you're supine. That means laying back, right? Uh-huh. And you got the you got your feet touched together. And so like the, the curves on the inside of your feet are, are sort of holding the rope. Interesting. And the boat takes off, and pretty soon you're skimming 
on your back, laying on your back, bracing the rope in your feet, laid out, feet toward the boat, head back, and you get to where you're skimming along. And then he would just all of a sudden, through like this little bit of magic, he'd pop up and there he was skiing with no skis. And he'd be like digging his heels into yeah. the water. Like that's what would brace you. Just yeah, toes like curled up. Your arches. Your toes curled up. And then the thing of it is, then you, you had a wetsuit on, so you're able to roll around and spin on your back and... And not get It's like you break like dancing. Burns, like you're, you're like break dancing <laughs> pretty cool. on the end of a rope. So he's coming around. This is the lake I grew up on. No, I think it was the lake the lake next to the lake I grew up on, um, and hit a sunning bluegill. Oh, my gosh. Drove the dorsal fin into the bottom of his foot. He had to have it surgically removed. No shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, poor bluegill. What are the chances? Or, or, or his foot. <laughs> <laughs> you could look at it either way, I guess. So, yeah, you're never safe. There you are, 63 miles an hour or whatever, behind some boat, and you can still get hurt. Um I want to return, before we talk about what we're going to talk about mostly, I want to return to you observing Tracy. You want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Tracy Crane. Okay. And then Maggie? I'm Maggie Smith. Seth Morse. And of course. Giannis Butelis. <laughs> uh, you were observing that Giannis's driving habits are off-brand That is for correct. Giannis. What is Giannis's brand? <laughs> I was just surprised, having spent multiple days driving behind Giannis, the speeds at which Giannis drives. I think Giannis's brand is buttoned up, conservative. He's sitting here in a nice button down with a cashmere sweater over, well, very he's got tidy. A, but yeah, but I come. I don't see him I as ask. reckless, and I could almost classify his driving at moments. <laughs> reckless is extreme, but Mario Andretti style. Like I was like, whoa, he guns it. Well, you know what we call him? Bahayani. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to, because that was in the morning, right? Yeah. That time you followed us. Yeah. Correct. And so we were trying to get to a roosted turkey before light. <laughs> yeah, you definitely had your eye on the prize. That is, we, we had our eye on the prize, and, and we were not driving quite to that degree. But You guys didn't have as far to go, and we were leaving at the same time, see? Fair. But there was a weird but, exchange that we we talked about a fair bit. We pulled up to you because <laughs> we had to talk about something real quick. And I commented on your fast driving. Yes. Or maybe not. But anyways, you said, why don't my, you go ahead because you'll be driving faster than me. Yep. Where in the world would you get that idea? Oh, well, the whole time coming down, I felt like you were tailgating me. <laughs> And so I was, th that's why I thought you pulled up next to me. No, I was trying to keep up. <laughs> I was struggling to keep up. No. And then after he made that comment to you, Steve, he started to roll the window up and he gave a signal with his hand and burned out right in front of us. Yeah, Bahayani. Yeah. And then someone was like, Yanni's a little spicy this morning. <laughs> It's been said before, you guys aren't the first group of people that have noticed that I drive maybe a little bit more aggressively than most, but uh, <laughs> I can tell you, man, I haven't had a speeding ticket in... That's a knock I, on wood, I, Giannis. No, 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 but because on roads where there's speed limits, I don't. I feel like when I'm on a dirt road, I feel like I should just be driving where I feel 
safe and in control. <laughs> but I don't know how you could. I have could, kids in the car all the time. Like, how I'm could you in good conscience huh? on that on that dirt road, mm-hmm. there's a little old lady, I gather, just by her decorations, mm-hmm. who has out a sign. I thought it was interesting that her sign is aimed up toward the National Forest, not down toward the highway. She's alerting drivers coming from up. Yeah, but that says why something they, like, drive slow, please. Like, respect our roads or respect you our just homes. Come in well, there. Listen, the reason she hasn't pointed that direction blowing. is because people are coming downhill. So you're naturally going to be driving faster going down the hill than up the hill. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, that's, that's, that's well valid. thought out. Real quick, I don't want to bore people to death, but I want to return to Yanni's brand. This is not how he dresses because what are the, what's the first thing I said to you this morning? Why are you so dressed up? Every time I wear a collared shirt, you say that. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to a... Um, his daughter's got a little routine she's doing. Yeah, a little... I got to go to one of those this Sunday. Sunday? Yeah. Spring concert yeah. and art auction is what we have tonight. Mm-hmm. No, Saturday. Oh, last year, last year, somebody that must have a little uh, hobby farm ha- uh, donated a peacock. What? And by the time I was done Googling, can you eat a peacock or do people <laughs> eat, a peacock, eat peacocks, it had already sold. So this year, I'm prepared. <laughs> Rather than spending, because they, the whole deal is- Was it is a meat that, peacock? Huh? I don't know. Is there? A di- I didn't know that there was two different things. I don't know. I just feel people have them as. Uh, I feel like they're an ornamental. I do. I, I. And I'm guessing that that's what it is donated for. But I don't need an ornamental peacock. But I would rather because the deal is with this art auction is that they're basically saying like, "Hey, it's great fun. We're all going to get together, do the little spring concert." But really, we need 300 bucks from every, for each kid from every parent, right? So if you have two kids, you got to drop 600 bucks for the art program. Someone articulated this to you? Yeah. Yeah, that's In what form? In they're, email? No, they're, they're just saying, "Hey, we don't have enough funds for like the art program that we want to have here, right? Funds are for funds for art and music and all that stuff are cut nationwide, right? So if you want to keep this going on, it's a pro- oh, it appro- like this is what it would take. It approximately costs us $300 per kid. So, I like take that as I've got two in there. Stroking a check for six hundred, whether I walk out of there with some with piece of art dead that peacock might peacock or not. Yeah. <laughs> so this year I'm coming prepared. And if that peacock shows up again or one of his offspring or her offspring, uh I'm I'm bitten. So can you eat peacock? <laughs> yes. Can you eat a peacock? Oh yeah. Hmm. And that's what you're gonna do with it. Buddy, we'll probably keep it around for a little bit because it'll be cool to have peacock in the yard for a week and or then two. One day you you're think it say, would stick around? And you're going to wake your daughters up one day and say, girls, <laughs> oh, no, I've already, you know where I keep the hatchet. <laughs> I've already talked it through with them. They know the deal. We're going to have a big peacock dinner party. <laughs> I look forward to being invited. I told, they were, they were a little, my daughter have one of the feathers after you? Exactly. Yeah. They were a little suspect. I'm like, dude, let me tell you. The feathers, you think these turkey feathers are cool? Wait till you have like a bucket full of peacock feathers, man. You're going to be stoked. That could make a little business out of that. Yeah. yeah, every year they could sell, what, a dozen peacock feathers? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're going to be ostracized from the, the community. I don't think so at all. If, if he were to kill the peacock after, yeah, after you, winning it in the auction. When you walk up, when you walk up to get the peacock, let's say there is <laughs> one for sale and you purchase it. Mm-hmm. When you walk up and you, get, and you get a chance to speak into the microphone and you say, uh, 
Thank you, everyone, for turning out to support. Um, I'm going to uh, eat this peacock. Watch and see. <laughs> Watch and, and try to gauge the audience response. Okay, I will do that. <laughs> Maybe I'll pose it as a question. I'll say, has anybody ever eaten one of these things? <laughs> And then that'll throw them off. They'll be like, you think that guy might eat a peacock? They'll be like, no, he's just joking. He's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no drinking that goes on at this event. Well, you look good either way. Hey, thanks. Well, and thank you for the compliment. I, I liked it, my, what, how you described my brand. Oh, good. I'm glad. I, can, I, we, can we I, do I, that I, a little more? I, if I, What's Seth's brand? <laughs> <laughs> I quickly want well, to add Seth that a, I do feel like in high school – I was often definitely part of the troublemaking. But I was also, I feel like, the person that was like, okay, we, we're, we're going to cross over the threshold, right? Like, th- this is the part where if the cat- cops catch us, like, we're going to be in really big trouble. So let's just take it back a notch. That's a nice balance. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that fits my brand now. I would agree with that. I think that's a good evaluation. Still likes to have like fun to and push party it a little, a little bit. bit, but... <laughs> Knows when to curb it back. <laughs> That's why he follows the speed limit only on paved roads, <laughs> not on dirt roads. You know? That's a, we'll button this up, but that's a, I think that's called type one morality. Not doing it because you're afraid of getting caught. Not doing it because you fear the punishment is like, I think there's like these degrees of morality. Oh, right? interesting. So there's like, hmm. you don't, there's a thing you like, you don't do it because you don't want to get in trouble. And then the top morality is you do it. This would be civil disobedience. The top morality is doing it knowing you'll be in trouble. Like that's the only reason you're doing it is basically like so you get in trouble. No, I think it goes, and I'm not looking at it right now, but I think it goes like the thing being like Rosa Parks, Mm -hmm. right? So she's doing a wrong. Right. She's committing a wrong, Right. you know, according to civil, civil law, committing a wrong. And there's trouble, but that's like a different type of morality. It wouldn't be like, break, like, oh, I'll break a law so long as I know I won't get in trouble. Right. And since there's no police on these back national forest roads, right. what are the odds? Yep. So therefore, it's okay. Yep. yep. And then yep. On, on the main road, it's like, oh, no, I drive the speed limit here because I don't want to get in trouble. Yep. Yep. So he's a type one moral guy. <laughs> there's pluses and minuses to that, I think. Uh, real quick, just to return <laughs> to the brand thing, and then we're going to get on. Um does Seth have a brand? Absolutely. Kay. Everybody what, has a brand. What, what's my brand? Well, um, your brand. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to tell Seth's brand. Yeah, you don't have to. Here's what Seth's brand is. <laughs> Seth's brand is he's vivacious. He's, he's, he has a little bit of um, kind of liking to push the envelope daredevilish, um, but but tones it down with kind of that warm smile, that willingness to help, that, um, you know, is a great turkey finder. Yeah. <laughs> that is really his it. biggest redeeming quality in my mind. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> and also the fact that he's a, he's a DP is also a winner in my mind, too. Yeah. Not the kind. <laughs> we'll leave it at He's I'm sure we'll get DP. to that. No, we're not going to cover that. Okay. I don't want to destroy your career. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, okay. You guys, here's what we're here to talk about. You guys recently, Maggie and Tracy, mm-hmm. um, 
you gals, not guys, <laughs> re- recently embarked on a life's journey. I would definitely say yes. it was that. Who wants yep. to do? Who? Which of you would like to do a quick rundown of what exactly you just did? Go for it, Maggie. <laughs> you go for it, Tracy. <laughs> oh, Maggie, because uh, Tracy already branded everyone. <laughs> well, we went on our very first turkey hunt. But what did you have to do to prep? Um, we had to get our hunting license, do hunter's ed, do some shooting practice days, and learn a little bit about turkeys. As as adults, as like very literate adults who went through Hunter's Ed, um, can you give me some uh, like what's your impression? Just you know, casual impression about that process. Extensive, is my yeah. First word. That's exactly what comes to mind. I'm not sure. I I'm not sure. I thought much about it in advance, but I did not think it would be as robust and as beefy as it is. Oh, I mean, yeah. It took a long time. Understandably so. Now, kind of sitting back on the other side, reflecting on it, I completely understand why it's as extensive as it is. Mm-hmm. Totally, I totally agree with that. I mean, I don't know. Was there ten topics, and then like within each topic, there are between four and seven subtopics, and then within those subtopics, there are chapters. I mean, it was yeah, it was lengthy, but it almost like I don't know, kind of freaked me out a little bit <laughs> in some sections. In, in what way did it freak you out? Just like talking about injuries and they're saying like turkey hunting is the number one like situation when you're out in the woods where hunters get injured. And I was like, whoa, okay. Maggie's like, I my, thought turkey hunting was the easy way to <laughs> get into this. My, again, like the thing with the different types of morality, it, it'd be easy to go find this out and I'm going to say a thing that might be demonstrably wrong but i feel that the most common hunting accident is swinging on a bird Mm. Mm. and peppering someone with a shotgun yep yep you guys probably heard about that too right yeah yeah Yeah, they talk a lot about your shooting zone yes like what happened with what happened with dick cheney Mm-hmm. He's hunting oh. quail in Texas. Mm-hmm. You're in thick brush, right? A bird jumps. Yep. You kind of focus on the bird. Mm-hmm. The bird's a little low, you know. Yeah. And in the times that I've been shot by a shotgun, never bad enough to even puncture my skin, but I've been peppered. Uh, it was the same thing: hunting upland birds, really? hunting mm-hmm. quail. I don't know if they said it was number one, but they definitely said it was on, in the in the yeah. oh, hot, you know one of the most. Um, often injuries they see because obviously you're in full camo and you're hiding mm-hmm. so you're buckled down and you're and calling, you're calling mm-hmm. and so people mistake and you put you decoys for, out right mm-hmm. right when i when i took my hunter safety back in pennsylvania they showed a video of this guy calling to a turkey and he would like move in on it and as he was calling he was using a mouth call he would wipe his mouth with a white bandana why was he wiping his mouth just from like I don't know, spitting and stuff when he's calling, <laughs> hmm. using a mouth call. Okay. But he would wipe his mouth and he like keeps get, like getting closer and closer to the turkey and all of a sudden like a shot out of nowhere and the, the dude ends up getting shot. Oh my gosh. Who was filming this? It, it, was, it was like a, a it simulated was, thing. It was a pretend video. Yeah. But it was just to show like that's the most common hunting accident mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. So that's how they, they had someone and they're like, let's have it be. That you're out calling, wiping your mouth with a handkerchief as a, a way white to, handkerchief as a way to demonstrate <laughs> how one might get in a hunting accident. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if it was just a way to get into the conversation that like turkey hunting is like the number one thing that where people, you know. No, I got that. Accidents. I just don't know that I would have uh, <laughs> written her up that way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But this was. But it's the one thing that like stuck in my head about that for that's sure. That's interesting. Well, of course. You know, I know that that's one of the arguments against in states where you're allowed to use a rifle hunting spring turkeys. Um, that's one of the big arguments against it. Against that. It's just there can't that, be many. No, there's a couple. States that allow you to use a rifle? You let you in hunt spring. rifles and spring turkeys. And, and there's a story. We, I don't have, we probably talked about this. I hesitate to even get into it. There's a story about what happened when they tried to make it that you couldn't use rifles in Florida for spring turkeys. Like where they got resistance from. Yep. <laughs> where it was coming from turkey hunters. Turkey hunters were saying, you know what? We're all wearing camo. We're making turkey noises. Mm-hmm. This is flat country. Mm-hmm. We use turkey decoys. We feel that it'd be in the best interest of turkey hunters and turkey hunting mm-hmm. if you were not allowed to use rifles because they carry, obviously, they go in a straight line for quite yep. a ways. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And people totally. were uncomfortable with it. And my understanding of this story is that it got turned into like a gun issue and not like a hunting issue. And was interesting was hmm. miscon- it was misconstrued in a in a, in a in a weird way but that's one of the reasons why in most places they limited shotguns yeah hmm. probably something to do with efficacy too right it's like you gotta get a lot closer mm-hmm. but there's just the safety concern mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um do you guys realize like having gone through hunter safety what do you think when i tell you that there's sort of a movement across the country to ease up and make it easier to easier to get licenses and removing restrictions and allowing people to hunt multiple years with a mentor before needing to do their hunter safety or simplifying hunter safety. Uh, having done, having kind of not been raised around this and having mm-hmm. done it, and when I tell you that that's true, is that surprising to you or do you see that like, oh, I could see that? It's surprising to me. To lower, the goal being to lower the barrier to entry. I mean, I see why there would be a push, but I don't agree with that. You don't. So nope. you felt it was useful information. I did. I mean, some of the videos were pretty funny. I think we could do a better job <laughs> in our department. But uh, no, it was very educational. And I, personally, I really liked the section all about conservation at the end. I mean, that really struck home. Really? As being someone that studied ecology and biology. I mean, that was, I loved that they put that in there. And I was like, you're not going to necessarily, depending on who your mentor is, get that side. You know, or there's other things you might not get from a mentor that are probably in there. Yeah. I don't know. I appreciated the extensiveness of it. You guys had coursework and field work. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We did our coursework online. And then you had a field day. Mm-hmm. In person. Yep. And a test. Mm-hmm. And you did some shooting at field day? Mm-mm. We didn't actually. And I think partly there was an option. It was you could volunteer if you wanted to participate in that section of the field day. But the majority of the field day was focused on there were different stations that were set up and you basically had to attend every single station and each station had a different kind of objective of what it is it was teaching you. And then you could stay after if you wanted to shoot, but we didn't because we knew we were going to be doing practice work with you guys anyways. Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting group of people that were there. <laughs> In what way? I don't know. I just was like, I'm not sure I feel ter- terribly comfortable staying here and shooting. There were like I 15, know. I don't know, how old are I mean, 
the youngest kid when you can get your hunting license? Ten. Ten. Yeah, the majority of the attendees were definitely children. Children. And they were already, <laughs> the way that they were handling the firearms during our stations, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, how did they pass? <laughs> this is questionable. <laughs> was that a funny dynamic, being in there with the kids? Oh, yeah, and we got partnered with the kids. Yeah. And, yeah. It was kind of cool, though. I mean, cool. at the same time, because all of the people who were facilitating the field day were adults, obviously. And the majority of the people at the field day we went to was in a small community. It was very family oriented. Mm -hmm. So they had just passed on. The gentleman who had been doing it for 50 years had just passed on kind of the leadership responsibility to his daughter. So it was really like special to kind of see that dynamic and um, them talk a little bit about how kind of important this has you know, how important this has been in their life. Um, but yeah, interacting with the kids, it was like trying to get them to talk. What are you most excited about? What have you learned? What stuck with you? It was like quiet. Like yeah, they well, did, some, they wanted nothing to do with them. Strange, exactly. they wanted, strange woman totally. like grilling them about something. Totally. They wanted nothing like, to do with that. You're not my mom. <laughs> you're not the teacher. That, that was until word got out that we were part of Mediator. And then they, they wanted to talk to us and they thought we were really cool. <laughs> And so did the parents. The parents then started flogging over and we're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, that was good. So then the next stage is uh, break, break down for people what your um, exposure to firearms. In exposure and impressions of firearms. Mm. Well, I grew up in a very large city. So, and I was never exposed to firearms as a, as a child, as an adolescent, even as an adult. So, like, I had no experience. I think you guys were shocked to learn that, but I had never shot a gun. You ever think, like, how would you get through life and not shoot I a know. gun? I know. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like that is, that, that's not necessarily, you know, representative of everybody, but I'd never, I'd never held a gun. I'd never shot a gun. Like, I'd done nothing within the realm at all. The more I thought about it, there's more people that, have gone have are in Tracy's shoes than have gone through life and have shot a gun. I, I think. think in this state, well, it varies by state. I think in this state, eighty percent of households. That I'm not surprised yeah, by. Yeah, I'm not something surprised like by that. that. I don't know. Totally. Here I am, like I keep shouting out like figures and stuff that I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm sure you're a in the lot, vicinity. Yeah, a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, go on. But I remember, um, and I'd never even really been in situations where I been able to see a firearm you know like I wasn't in situations where besides like on a police officer or something I remember when we first bought our our place in Montana I remember seeing one of the farmers who has property neighboring us and he was like driving around in his I think it was his his pickup truck and he had his rifle or shotgun I don't know one of the two like hanging in the back of his truck and I was like oh okay like we're, whoa. Like I was like, <laughs> now I feel like I've, you know, my, my perspective has completely changed, but I was like, mm -hmm. oh, this is a different, I am in a different world. Yeah. Did you ever see that? There's a cover. It's kind of a startling cover of a New Yorker magazine from some time ago in the last year where there's like a, two cars pulled into a turnout, like a, like a river launch. And there's a pickup. It's like a it's like an atypical campsite. Yeah, it's like a campsite type thing. There's a pickup with uh -huh. a shotgun in the window. So he's, he's got his like shotgun in the window rack. 
mm-hmm. and there's a guy getting a boat. He's got his little kids with him, and they're like getting, they're unloading inner tubes or whatever. And the guy's kind of like looking very uneasily because this shotgun is like aimed over oh, <laughs> as he's unloading his car yep. like, with his kids. And it's kind of this e- a little bit of an eerie cover. Yeah, I didn't see it. Which I think is like a certain, you know, people who don't, I think that that's, people who don't have exposure Definitely. to firearms mm-hmm. don't really like totally. understand like how they function and what purpose they serve in people's lives. Totally. There's kind of this like, yeah. Totally. Well, and then you add on top of it what we see in the quote unquote news. And I think that doesn't contribute in a positive way mm-hmm. to how people who don't have exposure view firearms. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, well, never shot one. No. N O. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're baffled by that, but like, I never had a chance. Like, I would never have had a chance. I grew up in New York City. Like, I walked to school every day. We didn't leave the city that often, except if we went on vacation and stuff. Like, that was not the life that I had as a as a child. And then the first time you shot was with Giannis. Correct. And what, uh, talk about that a little bit. Well, I was fortunate enough to not go first. I <laughs> made Maggie go first because I think I was a little apprehensive. So should we cover Maggie yeah, first? Yeah, cover Maggie first. Maggie, exposure, impressions prior to your, your newfound. Yeah, not in my family was I ever presented the opportunity, like my immediate family, my cousins, Owen and Noah, very much grew up hunting with my uncle, but my family was just not on that page in Minnesota. I mean, I know there's a huge hunting community in Minnesota, but my family is very liberal, I would say. And it was just never presented to me. So I did get to shoot one time with my cousins because my uncle wanted me to go out and do that. It was important to him. Yeah, it was important to him. And the first gun I shot was, might get this wrong, Noah, (laughs) was your military grade AR-15 on the ground, which was just like, holy moly, this thing's kind of fun <laughs> so that was your first shooting experience yeah well then they have most people it's like a 22 well then they handed me i think it was a 12 gauge or 20 gauge shotgun and they didn't tell me about the kick and man i flew back on my ass <laughs> <laughs> how old were you when that happened i think i was like 16 and then and then after that that was it that was it yeah uh curious about them at all like, did you ever think, like, you know, I'd like to buy one of those things? No. No. Never. I don't think. Ed, <laughs> my boyfriend, like, go out and, like, every time we're in a sportsman's or something, he wants to go look. And I was just like, oh, not going to. I don't know. He's a carpenter? Yeah. But. He doesn't own any. No, he doesn't own any. He's, he lived in Wyoming, though, for a while and did some hunting. Okay. There, but, yeah. And then when you went to shoot, what was that like? I was scared. Of <laughs> the unknown? Yeah. Just, I didn't know what to expect. It'd been a while. I don't know why I was scared, but I just was. My heart was like racing. <laughs> well, your last experience with a shotgun. Yeah, it wasn't a good you one. You got knocked on your ass, you said. so. And laughed at. So. <laughs> <laughs> you got mocked and knocked yeah. down. Um, so you went, you, you went and shot and you were scared, but just scared of whatever. Yeah. Like not, not, not necessarily hurt, the like, noise, yeah. not necessarily the kick, but. Yeah. Just, the, just apprehension, I think, about the whole situation. Was there any self-loathing? No. No? No. I just wanted to get it right, I think. And, like, not mess it up, not mm-hmm. hurt anybody. There's, like, a lot of, like, respect I've gained. And also, like, I think that's partially why I was intimidated. Like, don't think a firearm is something you just 
mess around with, you know? Yeah. So I want to make sure I was doing it right, not hurting anybody. And then when you shot, when you shot, was it, um, like, did you enjoy shooting or does it more seem like just a thing that you have to do in order to then go out and go hunting? Um, I think I enjoyed it for sure. After I got used to it. For its own sake. Yeah. For its own sake. It was fun to see like where I hit on the target and everything, but it was totally different though. Like when it came, it comes down to actually setting up and like getting in that moment too. Yeah. That's a totally different feeling as well, but got more comfortable with it the more we shot and felt better about it but the first one the video you got me is terrible i screamed i like screamed i was like well, ah! and i think she like that's also why i got the benefit of like witnessing her doing it first because she like felt the kick like but she's tiny and you could see the impact on her body because i don't think she was expecting it to be as much as it was so no. you weren't like prepared for it so your body like really reacted yeah and the noise just scared me, but I get spooked easily. <laughs> so you made a, a, a strange little sound. Yeah, scream or uh, I don't even know what. As you, <laughs> as you pulled the trigger. After. Okay. <laughs> no, not as. <laughs> <laughs> they each did a clip, a five-round clip out of my uh, twenty-two. Oh, that's first. what you started out. Oh on. yeah, not that. But then I was like, "What do you guys want to do that some more?" And so, were- okay, but hold on, hold that. <laughs> what would you, did you guys like shooting the twenty-two? Well, it's, I find it to be easier. Oh, me too. It's a smoother, more seamless experience. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. totally. The, so I was like, "This is a very mild report." Yeah. So I was mild. like, "Oh, this is what we're talking about." The yeah. recoil and report are minimal. Yeah, it was lovely. Dude, kids love shooting twenty-twos. I can see why. Yeah. Totally. I was saying I screamed not when I shot the twenty-two. Okay. So go on, Yanni. Oh, yeah. Like I said, they only did each a clip of that. I'm like, yeah, you want to do that some more? Because that's, I figured, that is a great way to get into it. At least you're, you're getting to do all the same motions almost. The loading's a little bit different. You realize you're going to have a lot of guys being like, it's not a clip. It's not a clip? No. Magazine? Yeah. What's the difference? Uh, there's like a thing called a clip. That's not, not what that one is. And I know what you mean, and everyone knows what you mean, but people oh. will write in and be like, Well, good. <laughs> I'm glad that you're addressing it now and that these people don't have to write in. <laughs> They'll write a note that sounds like this. <laughs> now you don't have to. <laughs> um, so a five-round magazine and... Uh, I thought we would, you know, run through no, maybe a, 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 clip. Bo- a box each. Seth, what's the difference? Between, what is actually the difference between a clip and a magazine? Well, I don't, I don't know if there's a difference, but I know, um, my my buddy and roommate Rick, who was in the Marine Corps, like if I call it a clip, he don't he's like, like what 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 the hell is a clip? Because there's like this little thing that used to be like a clip. We always grew up calling them clips. I never called them. Oh, magazine. I called them clips too. But yeah, it's like. But then I noticed people are always correcting you about it. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Am I right? <laughs> it, it, am I right or am I right? You can put in difference between MAG and it will autofill magazine and clip. An ammunition clip is a device used to store individual rounds of ammunition together as a single unit that is then ready for insertion into the magazine of a gun. Oh. Yeah, and we used to call you Yanni Van's Wall, man. You're supposed to know this stuff. <laughs> Interesting. 
Well, we learned something new today. Yeah. I just taught Yanni a little something about firearms. Yeah. Feels good, doesn't it, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> he's usually pretty. He's usually pretty. His, his brand. His brand is known about firearms. <laughs> hey, man, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything, it's that there is always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, well, what's the catch? But it turns out there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, Go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash meat eater. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Man, I'm just coming back uh, not too long ago from youth turkey season in Wisconsin. Now, last year at youth turkey season, it rained and snowed the whole time. This year at youth turkey season, it was in the 70s and even up to 80. So me and my kids are pouring it to it. And after a while, I realized they didn't drink anything all day and they haven't drank anything all day. Well, that's why it's important to get hydrated and have something you're going to like to help you, encourage you to get hydrated. doesn't matter. Outdoor events, turkey hunting, playing sports, beach days, mountain adventures. Summer requires extraordinary hydration that's built for everyday dehydrating moments. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick, it's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. Tear, pour, live more. One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. I'll say that again. Hydrates better than water alone. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and you use code MEATEATER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code MEATEATER at liquidiv.com. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay, It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with pre-loaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required right now. Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> Anywho, 
<laughs> that 22 wasn't exciting. They wanted to jump right over no, to the, to no, the 22. No, no, it wasn't that it wasn't exciting. I think it was more, at least from my perspective, I was like, come on, we're not going to be using this. Right. Let's practice what we're going to be using in this situation. You wanted to get the real world training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. We didn't, you know, I wanted to be as prepared as possible and mm-hmm. utilize as much of the time as we could. So you wanted to switch over to smoothbore. Do you guys, are you guys, you're probably not comfortable with lingo yet. I mean. Like you this, wouldn't, yeah. uh, the street, like, well, I know when we said, Seth rifle. mentioned someone uh, grab, needing to grab their iron <laughs> and you didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I could kind of figure it out, but I did one of those, you know, those awkward pauses and then I was like, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't. Yeah, like, I'm going to get mine too. <laughs> Like, you don't run around saying you're 22 like a double deuce. No. Old Betsy. Oh, no. No. <laughs> There's a whole new <laughs> litany of, of vocab. Nellie Bells. That's what I call my shotgun. Really? That's Nellie her name? Bells. Old Nellie Bells. Oh, Nellie. Oh, tell us the uh, origin of that name. Um, I don't know. I'm not working. I, I have a friend that, that used to use that term just like. Like, oh, goodness? For like general <laughs> my goodness. firearms. <laughs> oh. What do you mean? Like, I don't just, know. It's just like, like a not a unique one. Just firearms in general. He would yeah, call them like, Nelly oh, bells. I just grabbed old Nelly bells. Just like people would say, <clears throat> grabbing my smoke pole. Yeah, going to go hunting. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of just stuck with my shotgun. Hmm. I don't call my rifle that. Oh, quick quiz for you. Oh goodness. <laughs> um, do you when I say a smooth bore? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Yes, I do. Maggie, go ahead. You took hunter safety. Smooth bore is in a shotgun and a rifle. It's called a rifle because the bore is rifled. There's like ridges in there. What are the ridges called? Oh, the land, like the land and the... Yeah, you're super yeah. close. Yeah. Um, Lands and grooves. Lands and grooves. Yeah. You know why they originally started cutting those in? Does it help the bullet travel in a straight no. line? No. To prevent fouling. Black powder's messy. Mm. So you'd shoot, and there'd be so much fouling mm-hmm. um, that it would be hard to load it. And so they originally started cutting grooves in there as a place for all that powder to go, all that powder mm-hmm. residue. And then you realize you could get along, you could get more groove by cutting them in spirals. And oh. it started throwing a spin on that bullet. And then people were like, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> comes out very stable i just learned mm-hmm. something again that i didn't know before God, i didn't know that that was the original <laughs> intent i'm gonna start a podcast called gun talk okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you wanted to switch over to the smooth bore yeah because i wanted real life practice mm-hmm. yeah we were, we were getting close to game time we gotta yeah. get the skills pumping and what was your impression of shooting um what was your guys impressions of shooting turkey targets with shotguns Fun, not fun? Too much like loud noise and kicking? No, it was fun. You liked it? I mean, I liked it better than just the regular target. That's one of the heftiest mm-hmm. kicks out there. Yeah. Turkey load, 12 gauge. Oh, you're shooting 20 gauge, but like mm-hmm. shooting a turkey load out of a shotgun is one of the healthier kicks on the market. Yeah, and I've shot those same uh, shotguns they're shooting with those same loads, and it's it, that's not a walk in the park. Even those 20 gauges, they pop you. My brother's old girlfriend... I told you this. Yeah. She was shooting turkey loads, and she had a hammer cock shotgun, punched a hole right below her eye, threw her skin with it, and then his wife busted her uh, collarbone shooting turkey loads. I was so glad and you I think told both us of those that guys, before we went. Both yeah. of those guys, 
Both of those guys missed the turkeys. <laughs> yeah, that's like once you gals. say that, Both it's like those... lingering in the back of your head, right? You're oh, like, totally. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? Yeah. So you enjoyed shooting at the targets. Mm -hmm. And what frustrations did you have? Aiming. Yeah. Like in what way? The eye thing was like throwing me off because I'm left more left eye dominant. And I know you're both really, of them are. Yeah, both really are. I why, really struggled with that. Why like, did Yanni? Time. Why did Yanni Van Zwall want you guys to shoot? If you're left eye dominant, why was he wanting you to shoot right handed? He gave us the option. Like when we started to share with him what it, what the frustration was and not being able to keep that left eye closed. Because my issue was. It takes a while to set up, right? If you're not used to the position mm -hmm. you're supposed to be in, how to hold the gun, aiming, and just getting comfortable before you shoot. So my left eye would be closed for a while before I was like ready to shoot. And then by the time I was ready to shoot, my left eye was like fighting me so hard to open that I felt like it was interfering with my ability to like effectively aim. And he was like, well, you can shoot left-handed. But the idea of shooting left-handed felt a little bit intimidating to me because I'm technically right-handed. So the idea of like switching over to the other side felt like I'm learning something new altogether. Let's not throw like an entirely new factor into the situation. Let's just figure out how to like make this left eye cooperate a little bit more. Yeah. And then you didn't, weren't comfortable shooting with both eyes open. No, I can't like see what, I mean, you can see with both eyes open, but you can't like narrow in in the way that you want to be narrowing in because he would tell us exactly where we were supposed to be aiming, especially as we were like initially patterning the shotgun, mm -hmm. like, and with both eyes open, I felt like I couldn't get to that specific of a spot. Totally. I could only get there. Yeah, like, the, comfortable. Both eyes open would only work if they were shooting left-handed being left eye dominant. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. We even toyed around with Tracy. We toyed around making her a special pair of sunglasses. I, I feel like I would like that. Like, I feel like the idea of, like, the fight, the battle with that left eye, like, like with a patch over it, it, like, creates an ease. It's like I don't have to pay attention to that fight when I'm, when I am, I don't know why I fight with it so much. And maybe it would just get stronger and better over time the more I do it. It would. Most yeah. of you, I think most ex experts would tell you, though, that since you're at this beginning stage, you yeah. should be going left-handed. I think that's what really? I'm going to do with my daughter. That's she's what my got, dad made me do when really? I was a kid. She's got the same thing going on. And we did it this past time, turkey hunting. We just, I did a uh, pair of sunglasses and just put some, I think I did tape. Well, did something anyways yeah. to cover her um, left eye. And she shot great, you know. But I think mm -hmm. I'm just going to tell her she's got to shoot with her left hand. Probably more advantageous to get her into it while she's young. Yeah, you yeah. Know? the same for you. It's like you only shot a gun now yeah. 20 times. It's weird, though, as an adult. This is like an overarching thought, but like it's weird as an adult getting into something new, especially something like this that is so um, specific and so nuanced. And like it's not it requires like a really built out specific skill set. Like, it's very unnerving because the mm -hmm. idea of, like, starting something as an adult and, like, am I going to be able to do it? Am I not going to be able to do it? Nobody likes the idea of failing. Like, you want to start something and be good at it right away. And, totally. Like, that's, like, a whole mental journey oh, yeah. that I went on. Me too. Hands not down. letting you guys down, wanting mm -hmm. to, like, you know, live up to the expectations, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any expectations. Oh, of course you did. That is total <laughs> baloney. Total, yeah. What do you mean? No, he told me, he said, I uh, expect nothing from these people. 
Um, we Yanni, who who was it? No, I proposed. No. One of us did. <laughs> that you'd block your eye out. Mm-hmm. Yanni thought you'd have a patch. So cute. That you'd carry an eye patch. And then I proposed maybe we'll take and make you um, take your shades and block the eye out. But then I thought, did you, but you liked shooting like that, right? Yeah. I liked it a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but then I thought, there's so much going on in uh-huh. the turkey woods that I felt that it was, um, that it was just like oh, yet another thing. Oh, I need to put my special glasses on. <laughs> like, okay, he's coming and he's coming hot. Where's the eye patch? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Tell him to just stay right there. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't like that idea, which was a little heartbreaking and disappointing. I understand why you you vetoed it. It just was so nice to shoot not battling this blinking thing that kind of keeps opening. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it would give you a headache when you're sitting there blinking and Yeah, just focus. like every now and then you'd see more, I'd see less, and then I feel like I'd have to like readjust my aim because now I was off a little bit. Like it just it flustered me a little bit, honestly. And when you're shooting it's different too because you're shooting at the range, you have on ear protection, which you're supposed to actually hunt with too. Do you know that? Interesting, because I never really cover that in, in hunter safety. And you don't Not see that, that in real life application. You're supposed mm-hmm. to have your protection on. Okay. You no, wouldn't just a, put plugs in. You wouldn't put like a headset on. I but you shoot with headsets. You yep. shoot with glasses. Yep. It's just different. Yep. In Europe, they always everybody's got like actual muffs on their head really? when they're like not hunting, but when they decide to shoot. If they, they put them know, on they put once them they on. decide yeah. to shoot. And when I guided, I used to just wear a pair. I think they're made by Howard Light. It's like a. A lot of guys wear them like on the job site. It's yeah. like an orange band that goes around your neck, like a big oh, sure. horseshoe, and yep. it's just got plugs. And I used mm-hmm. to wear that on my neck. And that way, and then you would put them in yeah. before. That way, as soon as the client was about to shoot, I just could. Remy and Cal. Right in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Remy and Cal are very good about ear protection. Really? Remy uh, wears one of those little, you know, looks like a headset, but it's, you know what I'm talking about? Looks like, what am I getting at, man? It's like ear plugs on a spring that you wear around your neck. And what I just described. Yeah, yeah exactly. but what is the word? But what, what is that? If you're going to look them up, what would you describe it as? Oh, boy. Um, Don't they call it ear pro? Or is that something totally different? No, I'm saying like, well, how do you describe a headset that plugs your ears? Yeah, I don't, it's a, it's a, it looks like a big plastic horseshoe that has earplugs. Yeah, well, I just feel like the there's like an industry word for it. Anyhow, Probably. he's real good about putting those in. And Cal... Wears them around his neck. And when we were turkey hunting in Texas, he sits down and no joke, we're calling to a turkey. He no joke puts the turkey, puts the earplugs in his ears. He does. But then can he still like that's what hear I the gobble and stuff? Yeah, that's why yeah, I can't he, do he's it. He's got special high-end ones that don't change. Really? Yeah. Huh. Mo- like you go to a shooting range, man. It's rules at a shooting of range. Of course. Yeah. Hearing but you're protection. you're surrounded by yeah. a ton of people who are shooting. Yeah, hearing mm-hmm. protection, eye protection. Sure. Now we always, like I always wear my regular sunglasses. And not, but I never got in trouble for it. But they make like ballistic sunglasses. Hmm. But we wear regular sunglasses. And Yanni, talk about what happened to you. Yeah, Howard Light just calls it their quiet band. Oh, is band the, is the name of their products. Giannis, 
Um, see, here's the thing where we're in a little bit of a tricky ground because they're not meant for this. But I don't know. Like, is it? We don't really know. No. They just say it, eye protection. I, yeah, it's certainly better than not having any on, as in my case, certainly, you know. And I would think that you definitely want to wear the plastic lenses and not the glass lenses because mm. glass could shatter and hurt you. But, um, yeah, I was shooting a gun a while back. and uh, I don't want to get into details about this because there's, like, a chance that I'm a little bit to blame. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like... I, I'm not blaming you. I'm but, half to blame. Yeah, but uh, I'm mostly to blame because I'm the one that loaded the rifle. But uh, I put a 7mm08 into a 270 WSM. And uh, the difference in caliber and dimensions of those two bullets is uh, not much. About a tenth of wow. an inch. You're going from I put 280 into 270. 0. 0.280 into 0.270. The bullet still exited the gun. Actually, still hit the target. Wasn't I mean it was only I don't know eight inches off of bullseye. Um, but that created enough pressure to you could say, blow up the gun that I was shooting. <laughs> and it happened to be a left-handed gun. I was shooting it right-handed. And had I shot it left-handed, the, all the blowout of the gun would have gone away from my face. But because if you think about the way a rifle's built, the, um, you know, the bolt opens on the right-hand side of a gun that's uh, for a right-handed shooter, and it's made that way. So if you do have a blowout, it's going away mm. from your head and your mm. face, right? Okay. And so in this case, it was made to go to you the left. My, my southpaw gun. To the left of the gun, and that's where my face was. And so basically like the trigger assembly snapped. The, the stock had two big cracks in it. It blew out the bottom <laughs> plate. Um, just and, ruined it. And then, yeah, there's actually a chunk of, uh, it was a Model 70, and one of the, the bars that runs along the bolt came was dislodged and actually raked my shoulder. There's a picture of that. Oh, I've got, man. I've got a scar there now. They came off smoking hot. i got a scar oh my on my God. shoulder. My that. blame is this. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I finish? Cool. Yeah, but I feel like you're, like you're absolving me a little bit. Okay. No, go ahead. Finish your story. Well, thank goodness that um, I, try to, I try to always wear glasses when I'm shooting, right? But I didn't have my, my – for some reason, my range bag didn't have my eye protection. So I was wearing my Costa sunglasses. And it ended up – when I went to the doctor just to get checked out later, it, the picture looks a lot worse. I definitely had a puffy face from it, but there was a lot of, like, carbon – blast is sort of like how I've been describing it, <laughs> that it kind of pockmarked my face, one side of my face, definitely made it swell up a little bit. But mm -hmm. the doctor couldn't find actually any chunks of anything embedded in my face or yep. my uh, neck. But I can tell you that my coast is definitely, I feel like, I don't know if I would have lost any vision, but they had a scratch and a, and a, and a crack in them. And when I took them off, you can very clearly see the outline. And I'm just very happy that my eyes did not take mm. that shot, mm -hmm. you know, the, the way that the rest of my face did. When we were shooting, was I wearing my souped up 
yellow lens costas? You were wearing some sort of costa. You were, I think you were wearing the ones that are like kind of like a Camo. camouflage pattern. Yeah, but the the light lens. Oh, I can't remember. That's my. Those are like. That's meant to be my hunting ones because the <laughs> lens isn't that dark. Oh, I see. So you wear them in low light conditions for low light conditions. Yeah, but then I but I got them in camo. Because I think I just thought I have a bunch that aren't in camo. Got them in camo and got the light kind of yellowy lens. So it's like it, if the camo was properly functioning, you'd think that I just had yellow lenses. That the yellow lenses were just floating in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> that the yellow lenses are floating. That's what the turkey is thinking? <laughs> that, what are those? That, what are those? <laughs> yellow but orbs. That, that's, yeah, that's what I have, though I typically just wear um, – I typically wear regular ones, but I wear them. And, and at the range, I've never gotten grief for having. I think I'm just glad you have something on. But the plastic lens, glass lens thing isn't something I'd thought about too much because I have both. But my camo ones have a plastic lens. The glass lens I like, but then when your kids fire them across the tile floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in as far as I've always understood, because I owned co- glass coasters back in the day when I was uh, guiding a bunch. Um, they, I think they, the lens itself is a little more durable. Like it just, you just won't get that, um, sort of that buff that kind of happens on, on a plastic lens eventually. Um, but again, yeah, if you drop them, those plastic lenses oftentimes bounce back mm. and you put them back on your head and go, go on about your business where you drop those glass onto a tile floor, like you said, and you're probably going to be out the lens, you know, I was in Mexico once and I had my glass lens ones and one of my kids just dropped them on a tile floor and i sent them back in um sent them back into costa they fixed them and sent them back to me no problems Hmm. wear them for however long again then one day my kid's just standing there holding them with a broken lens like i didn't get to see like how he did it (laughs) (laughs) this is a different kid this is my younger one matthew just like he's like walking around with broken sunglasses so he probably took a hammer and hit it (laughs) (laughs) sent him in like for the sent him in for the warranty they sent him back still have them you get a little note that's like bro you should (laughs) take care of your glasses yeah like oh you again no (laughs) didn't get any grief about it um but now i have now, when I'm going on trips, I bring two pairs. Smart. Mm-hmm. My glass lens, which I just like to look through. And then I bring yeah. some plastic lens ones. You're for after crazy my kids break not my glass to, ones. man. Especially on like the kind of trips that we do when you know you're going to be out and about, whether it's the beach or mm-hmm. the mountains mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, and I think that. I've heard, is this true, that like lighter colored eyes are, can yeah. tend to be more sensitive are to sunlight? Are your eyes very sensitive? I don't know about very, but like I definitely feel, again, I've been wearing nice sunglasses now for probably close to 20 years of my life. Yep. And if I get caught out there without them, it's I'm brutal. Hate, hating it. No, I have the same problem. Like I cannot, if I have to drive and it's sunny out, it is impossible for me to keep my eyes open. Like yeah. they want to close. The sun kills them for some reason. I always have to have sunglasses on. Oh, I, I think, yeah, I think the more you wear and the more it's painful when you don't wear Yeah, maybe wear. that's what it is. You just adjust appropriately. I remember the first time, everybody says Costa, but they used to say Costa Del Mar, mm-hmm. which is still the name, but that people used to say it. I remember the first time I had a pair was in 1996, I think. Long ass time ago. But, 
yeah, I, I can't stand it now. But you can't get kids to wear them. And I feel that kids, uh, you know, all this, every parent now is all worried about sunscreen on their kids all the time. No one thought about that before. Now you're supposed to put sunglasses on your kids and put sunscreen on your kids. And I kind of like fight against that a little bit. It's like bike helmets. I always feel a little guilty not putting it on them, but a little guilty putting it on them. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yes. I would wear my bike helmet when I got a block away from the house, take it off and ditch it in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and come back. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, um, there we are. We're going to make you a blocked out pair of uh, shades. Yeah, but you x it. It just made you tough up and learn how that's, to shoot. That's right. <laughs> That was, that was a um, you know a little a little taste into what the future holds. <laughs> I think one of the hardest parts was just the positioning. That was just like mm. I did not expect it to be such a like I can't even like a slunch down. Yeah, it didn't took a long time for that to feel comfortable. But Sneaky Pete made me feel very comfortable <laughs> after like the twentieth time. He said yeah, that. let's get into the hunt. <laughs> the big hunt. Who wants to go first? Well, what's the question? What did you feel about it? <laughs> I asked you what you felt about hunter safety. How did mm -hmm. it go? What you felt about learning to shoot? Mm-hmm. Okay, let me let me do this. Let's let's enter into the hunting part like this. Okay. You just went on your first hunt, correct? That yes. is correct. Both mm -hmm. of you went on your first hunt. Yep. Tracy successfully. Somewhat. <laughs> Tracy successfully. Maggie had a great success, and that it was a great time but no dead turkey. Okay. Um, if I asked you, let's put it this way. If I asked you five years ago, do you think you'll ever be a turkey hunter? <laughs> what would you have said? No. If I said, a what? You, you said a what? A what? If I said, do you aspire, do you aspire to be an American hunter? Probably no. Okay. Tracy? That would be a no. And if you asked any single person, who knew me at that time, who know me at some point, their answer would also have been no way. Okay. I would agree with that. And when you pictured <laughs> it, no, I'm not asking you to go back in time and, think, and imagine your impressions five years ago, but leading up to this, and you pictured it, that it'll be like this, and this is what'll happen, this is what'll feel like. How, um, how accurate was your, how, how accurate was your, pre-assessment or whatever mm -hmm. i'm trying to say like like how accurate like your, your mind movie your vision of it yep. how accurate was your vision of it um i would say there were there were some parts that were accurate and there were some parts that were vastly inaccurate like i don't think i had an expectation that um like everybody says it's it's hard to find turkeys. I don't think I had an expectation that we would be challenged as much as we were like actually hearing a gobble like it was rigorous, not only in terms of- Well, that was of... largely Seth's fault. <laughs> <laughs> but go on, I'll take the blame. No, no, no blame, Seth. No, that's all right. Um, but more also in terms of like, for those first couple of days, I also felt like there were moments where I was like physically challenged in ways that I didn't expect to be physically challenged. Like I'm not sure I expected to be climbing up, you know, trying to keep up with you as you're running ahead. Like I, I thought, I wasn't, where did I run? No, you weren't running, but you're just so like you, you do this all the time and you're so strong. And like, I don't, 
do a lot of this stuff very often. And so my physical capabilities were tested in a way that I probably didn't anticipate or expect to be tested in that way. Like climbing over deadfall, oh, I was like, Like getting in okay, blowdown. Like we had, to, we had to cross through like blowdown. Yeah, like it was just like, wow, like there is, you know, you have to really be in like strong physical shape to be able to be successful at Yeah, that this. was like a hillside. And I even said to you, when people talk about dog hair, this, that's what they're talking about. And when people talk about blowdown, yep. that's what they're talking about. Yeah. Oh, and this you is, got both in one This day. is dog hair blowdown. <laughs> 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 Which is like a hillside of lodgepole pine where they're like still like very densely packed. And then they get leveled in a... Yeah. Wind, they get leveled in a windstorm and man it makes a mess well and i just was like he makes it look so easy so i like you know headed in thinking oh i'm just following steve and then i was like oh my goodness this is not that easy <laughs> so you didn't picture that part of it no uh-uh yeah there's nothing in yoga class that prepares no. you for no climbing deadfall is there no no it's definitely or any gym no class for that it's matter. a completely different type of physical demand or strain and it's not like it's just for a short period of time like there were times where from you know first thing in the morning until the evening you're out and about just walking yeah and it's not like you're just walking flat you know like you're really kind of experiencing you know a really diverse terrain or at least we did i feel well, like you experienced a very uh you know a western turkey hunt where People back east are going to hear you talking about this. And sure, there's places in West Virginia and, you know, other parts of Appalachia that, you know, those people climb some hills, turkey mm -hmm. hunting. But, like, what you guys went through, especially, like, the first afternoon we went out, I mean, we pretty much did, like, a little elk hunt. You know what I mean? You'd be the same kind of country and same stuff you would have covered going on at elk hunt mm -hmm. in the afternoon, you know, and we I were, slid on my belly. Yeah. <laughs> <That felt so bad. laughs> yeah, we had to post hole through snow. We got yeah. through some deadfall, cut across a couple creeks. I was crawling on the way back hill, up. <laughs> steep hillsides up and down. Maggie, you're a marathon runner. Yeah. Have you ran, you've ran marathons. Yeah. I've and like one. mega trail runs. Yeah. Got one. Did this you, you didn't find those hard walking around for turkeys, did you? No, I think the physical part, I was felt like, yeah, excited about this part. I want to see if I can keep up with Giannis and his long runner. legs. Yeah. I was excited about that. I think I kind of had an idea in my head about what that was going to be, but I have an advantage on like Tracy does because I edit, you know, I've edited hunts. I've seen what you guys do. So I was like, oh, I think I know it kind of goes into this, you know, like don't know everything, but the physical part I was like, I think I got for the most part. And I know you like chastise me for saying that, <laughs> but <laughs> you're like everyone says they're always prepared for hunt and they're not and i was like, oh, oh. yeah well that's <laughs> like the two things no one the two things everyone says they're going to do and don't that they're going to break their boots in mm. i wore like, mine no, in the office not. oh no i wore them to the office all week <laughs> yeah they're gonna break their boots in they're gonna like whatever get in shape means yeah i felt like i was in pretty decent shape yeah. oh yeah, yeah you were uh i mean you and i were waiting on the Two camera guys yeah. all the time. What was well, that's impressive. Yeah. What was the thing that was most, um, what was the thing, Maggie, that was most surprising about actually going out hunting? Like something that, as much as you've had exposure to it, like mm -hmm. what was the thing that you're like, oh, I get it now, or I didn't picture this being like this? The emotional side to it. Like, I mean, I was drained. Every emotion I had in my body was put out there. 
Tell me more. <laughs> I mean, it was excitement. Uh-huh. Then there was like disappointment at certain points, frustration. Then I felt pressure. Then when I had my opportunity, I felt guilt and sadness. But then there were like came back and I was like one of vengeance. I mean, I, and then there was times too where I was like, I just loved it. Like I really was out there and I was like, this is like not on a trail. Like hiking, I don't know if I want to go to like a trailhead now and just go for a hike. Like I loved it. We were just like off trail, just moving through country. Like that was just listening, listening, but then stopping and just looking at stuff. Cause the trail is such a different experience and being mm -hmm. out there and immersed. And I like loved that part about it. Like that was just it's so fun running much fun. game trails, isn't it? Cause yeah. It's like you learn, you see how the animals are running contours and mm -hmm. like the animals don't move across the landscape in a, a ass backwards way. Like no. They very much like go with the flow of the landscape. You know, it's cool to see. Totally. And just like learning from Giannis too. It was like, wow, you know, so much, you know, and like a lot of this stuff you don't get to see when you're editing, you know, you get to really capture emotion. You have to feel it. When you're having emotions, did you remind yourself that, that, like, were you like, but it's just a game? Or did it feel sort of more real? You know what I mean? Because how do you untangle it? You know, it's like a yeah. pastime, mm -hmm. but, it, but it brings out emotions that a lot of pastimes do not. I mean, mm -hmm. people who play golf get pissed, whatever, they miss a shot. Totally running. And I can mean, get, you like, get really pissed. mad and they, like, bend their golf club. So there's, like, mm -hmm. legit anger. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it doesn't have, that it doesn't, and not being a golfer, maybe I'm wrong, but I just, it's hard for me to picture it bringing about the full suite of emotions. Yeah, that come out. Yeah, I didn't expect that. Definitely at all. not. I've golfed a no. hundred rounds in, in my day, and there's no, not no. even close. I can tell you, running a marathon, I was like, when I did that, I was like, oh, this is the hardest thing. This is an emotional journey. No. Totally. But what do you think it's attributed to then that it's so vastly deeper and more complex? I don't know if I can really answer that for you. I don't know. That it just surprised me. I'm still processing. Yeah, it. I don't, totally. I did that. Is just like came out of left field. Yeah. My brother describes me. it um, that he has that he gets very lusty. Yeah. He wants like because he's trying to find the right word to sort of capture uh, how badly he wants success. Mm -hmm. Oh, I definitely felt that. That's like he feels that the word lust. Almost does it more justice. Yeah, I would agree. So with that. lusty, <laughs> yeah, for like elk or turkeys yeah. or whatever. It's just well, you just want to get that thing and be successful so bad. Yeah, and <laughs> no. I think what added to that is the turkey we were tracing. I mean, there wasn't very many gobbles, but we heard him on the first day, and I'll never forget that. And I came back and I was like, I heard him, and you guys were like, Are you sure? And I was like, I don't think there's any other noise that sounds like a turkey gobble yeah. out there, but I'll never forget that. Talk about your opportunity. Tell us about your opportunity. Uh, it's like still heartbreaking. <laughs> but, um, we got there first light a little bit before. A little bit before, for sure. Yeah. You guys had named the turkey. Mm -hmm. Sneaky pee. Yeah, we'd already been, I think that was the third morning mm -hmm. that we had been on him. We had hunted him like literally almost most of the prior two days. Meaning, you know where he, he roosts, he makes noise from the roost, hits the ground, does some gobbles, but will never come in. Yeah, we knew like his general zone. We sort of like. We knew where he dusted himself and everything, <laughs> yeah. even. I mean, we like knew his territory, but yeah. you hadn't had intimate eyes experience on him yet. 
No. At a distance, maybe. I think you did. But well, no, think... you did that first morning. You saw him cut after oh, he yeah. flew down. You saw a glimpse of him cut across right. the hill. And that, you know, knowing that information mm-hmm. and knowing like the layout of where he was roosting, we knew that at least twice he had gone, you know, looking up the hill, he had gone to the left mm-hmm. and kind of gone down into this bowl. And that, you know, that's why we decided to set up there as opposed to on the ridge like the morning before because he didn't come down the ridge towards us. Mm-hmm. He kind of cut across the toe of the hill and went down into a, into a bowl. Yeah. He Continue. evaded us. <laughs> oh, man. He's good at evading. <laughs> yeah. So your opportunity. There you are, out in the woods. Yep. Sitting all set up. Giannis has got the decoys, like, how far 20. away? 20. Yeah. Like right where we know he's going to walk. And it's just the waiting game now. My heart is just like in my throat. <laughs> I'm like sweaty. Like, yeah, I mean, we, we were much over 100 <laughs> yards from his yeah. roost tree. And it was a full hour. Oh, yeah. Until And luckily, he, got, he would gobble every five to ten minutes from where he was. So we knew he hadn't drifted off in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Were you it, calling him or he no. would just gobble on his own? No. We had already... I had already called enough the prior two days, mm. and I was not gonna make us peep. I was just. Gonna so how were you planning on him finding you? Because we knew. Because we knew his his direction. Oh, he knew how yeah. he was gonna travel. That going yeah. the other way off this this ridge, um, it was kind of hellhole ish. Like there was more blowdowns. It was steep. It just wasn't. And we had heard him in this bowl and watched him go into this bowl and just had, had like, he's been spending a bunch of time in this bowl. So it just seemed the natural path he was going to eventually take. So you were ambushing him. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ambushing him with decoys. With decoys. Yep. yep. And we're all set up and just then, giving him the silent treatment. Yeah. Because you know him the if you're like, yep, 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 he's going to go off in some other direction. Mm-hmm. We at this point, I figured he was probably a little smart or like knew something. He's gun shy. Yeah. But I will never forget when I first saw the hen come, and she was, I mean, two hens, and they were huge. Big old hens. And puffed out, and I was like, oh, my God. And you were like, no. Like, you were like, had their feathers. They were, like, big. Maybe I'm just remembering them being big. They do a little hen strut. Yeah. Like, they were side by side in front of him, basically. Like, and I was like, oh, my God, is that... (laughs) Cobbler, I didn't know, hadn't seen him at that point. And you, you, I remember said, you will know. And when he came through, I was just like, in my head, I was like, I could not believe that that's how they strut around the forest. Well, we are not around. Like, this is just like what these animals do. That like weird to me thought, but. Last spring, I called in a turkey for a guy who never hunted turkeys. Mm-hmm. And when the turkey showed up, <laughs> we couldn't see very far, like off in one direction. All of a sudden he's just like there. Mm-hmm. And I remember before he shot, he goes, God. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> how I felt. Because all of a sudden, here's this like absurd blue head coming through the, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was bizarre. Coming through the grass. He's and, all puffed up, you know. Mm-hmm, with his ladies. And then he came in, and Giannis was like, are you ready? And he called, and the hens looked at directly at us, did not give a shit about the decoys. Yeah, that was my mistake. I mean, oh. retrospectively, I should have not called. Uh, you know, we always, we talk about not shooting them in strut. Because the head is more compact. So I didn't kinda, do that. He's kind of yeah. tucked into his body, right? And so mm-hmm. if he's just standing there and his head is erect and up, there's, the target's bigger. It's it's clear away from the body. It should be easier to hit, you know? And he's at 20 yards coming and strutting. And at the time when I said So the he decoys, just happens to be coming through the woods at 20 yards. Well, dude, like I said, we've been hunting for quick three or days. Yeah, no, 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 no. Is he moving quick or slow? 
I mean, I understand what you're saying. He's like, they're just like walking yeah. like they're going to feed. Well, once he saw the decoy, he was probably moving a little bit quicker at the decoy. Mm-hmm. And you tried to give him a call or an alarm putt? Oh, no. I just gave him just a couple of yelps. And the hens were like, I'm out of here. Yeah, the hens heard that and were like, that didn't come from those two hens I'm looking at. That came from up the hill 20 yards, you know? Came from and the they eagle. just spun 180, went back the way they came. And of course, he's sort of following, gobbling the whole time. And every time I call, I'm like, I continue to call now because he's. But again, there's a stump that when I set the decoys, I was, didn't see, like, see the stump and go, oh, that's going to cause an issue. But he, he went behind the stump, came out the other side. I called. And he, I mean, he turned and got behind that stump so fast. Yeah. And then coming out the other side of the stump, he was, he had like definitely had some giddy up going. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah. in hindsight, you feel like you should have gotten a couple cracks off. Maybe, yeah. Maybe wasn't he, he was strutting. Sure. No. Like I, mean, I yeah, didn't I know to just, like should have just had you shoot him while he's, he was strutting. Listen, I know all about that whole thing. Not doing that. I think that is just. I think that is some BS, personally. 20 yards? Yeah. Just shoot him. Yes. Yeah. I knew it. I mean, I was sad and upset. And Did he fill your head full of that? <laughs> Not to shoot him when he's in strut? We had talked about that. Of course. Yeah, why do you think we're in this predicament right now? I didn't know if she came. she arrived at it naturally. Oh, no. No. No, they didn't, te- they didn't teach that hunter safety. <laughs> They're like, oh, one last thing, class. Yeah. <laughs> Never shoot him in strut. Yeah. Are you aware of this, Seth, the whole not shooting him in strut movement? Well, I I always tried to, like, not shoot him in strut, you know? Yeah. But uh, it, why? I mean, when it yeah, come, why? Well, just because, like, um, I don't know. You, you have a better chance of hitting meat, breast meat. Mm. Yep. Um, and... Like I've I've shot turkeys in the strut before and just like totally blew their fan apart and like all sorts of stuff, you know. Yeah. But if it comes down to it, I have no problem with it. Yeah. No. If yeah. If, if everyone knows what's up, like while I was hunting my friend Jared Fink, who's he, you know, he's a he's been a, he's a seasoned turkey hunter. Yeah. And we had a turkey come in, and I knew that he was getting ready to shoot the turkey. And the turkey's in full strut, and I gave the turkey a, an alarm putt. And he lifted his head up, and he shot. But that's because I know that he's like a guy who's been shooting turkeys his whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this year I was calling a turkey in for Rick, and uh, he the turkey never left strut, except for when he would gobble, which is all that's a risk. Low, that's a risky shot, you know, just shooting when he when he gobbles. But I made a call, and that turkey gobbled, and Rick shot him when when he gobbled, just because it was the only time his head would leave. You know, being tucked up against his body. Yeah. Yeah. But so there he wanders off unscathed, and you had an emotional outpouring. Yeah. Pulled my hat down over my eyes, and <laughs> the adrenaline left my body, and I was vibrating. Did you get a chill when the yeah, adrenaline left your frozen. body? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. But I remember that's when you know it's real when you get the chill. Yeah. And in my head, I just kept replaying it and be like, now, 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 now. I just like wish someone would have just whispered, like, now. <laughs> like, <laughs> But that was just my, you know, it was everything I did not expect it to be. Thought I was prepared after all the setups. Like and then in it your was mind, still just in like, your mind movie, you didn't picture that being something that would happen. No. And then Tracy yeah. had something happen in her thing. 
I feel like even just you saying that makes my heart begin beating fast again. Okay, talk about your opportunity, which you capitalized on. So we had been, I mean, this was this was basically the first day, I think it was day four, the first day where we actually had heard a gobble. Mm-hmm. Like we had been kind of trying to find birds for a long time. We hunted three, I think we hunted three days. I heard one gobble in three days. You heard zero gobbles. Have we hunted three days? Yeah, I think so. And we yeah. went to, we hunted three days on, all on forest land, national forest land. Hunted three days on National Forest Land, never heard a gobble, and then went to a private parcel. Mm-hmm. Went to a private farm parcel. Mm-hmm. And yep. lo and behold, <laughs> <laughs> lo and behold, lo and behold, we we found some birds. Which I mean, having spent that amount of time without seeing any birds, like the change in emotion and the change in feeling that you feel physically, I was like, oh, oh my God, we're here. This is we're getting close. This is go time. And I think not only like do you start to think about how is this going to play out? Am I going to know what to do? Thinking about what you guys had taught us, like just making sure that like everything was like in check. And I think you anticipate that it's all going to kind of happen exactly like you anticipate it Mm -hmm, happening and I'm prepared. And then, you know, that doesn't happen. And, you know, you're kind of in the situation where, um, you know, you're outside your comfort zone and the intensity of it all is a lot to handle. Our turkey, we 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 were actually about to head inside because it was starting to pour rain, and I was shocked actually that Steve had kind of said, "You know what? I think we should go inside for a little while." I was like, "Really, Steve? Now I'm saying we should go inside for a little while?" Yeah, well, I didn't want to. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, I don't want to sell you short, but I, I'm trying to make it be that you're having a a, a decent time, right? Which I absolutely yeah. was. And then literally upon completion of you finishing that sentence, we heard a gobble. No. Oh, the hen came in. A hen started yapping. The hen called, yeah. That's right. And we started communicating with the hen. Yep. And she came out, and she was a little feisty. She was a little feisty, but I was shocked. She she marched right up to the decoys. Puffed up. Kind of had her little moment with them. Like She was like, what's happening over here? And then she was like, mm, nothing I'm that interested in. And off she went. She's like, hey, you're not alive. Yeah. <laughs> but she didn't. I was so surprised because she was like, yeah, you're not alive. I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. She wasn't like, what is this? Yeah. She was like, huh, this is a little disappointing. I've seen him be uh, baffled by it. Sometimes like Jace, Which I would kind of birds, will, birds will attack it. Totally. And, and fight it. And I also last year had this really amazing experience of watching the hen come up to one and just purring at it. And pecking at it. Really? Yeah. Five wow. minutes. Really? Five minutes. That must have been incredible to see. Just doing these weird little... Interesting. Yeah. And got huh. irritated with it. Fascinating. You know. Yeah, she was. She had bigger bigger things on Probably wasn't actually. I'm probably exaggerating. Probably wasn't actually five minutes. But it was, but like it a, sure lo- felt it was like a long it. time. Yeah. Or if we're going... Yeah, yep. Totally yep. weird. And that was the first bird we had really seen. We'd obviously seen some birds in other capacities, but like that was the first bird we'd actually seen where we were set up. We were kind of in a different mindset, if you will. Like I felt like we were kind of in go time. So then, you know, shit starts to get real. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited 
photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay, it's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame, wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Get incredible deals on premium cuts from ButcherBox. Do you like free protein for a whole year? Well, deals this good are hard to come by at the grocery store. I, at home, well, I got two freezers, but you know what I'm saying. I like to have a freezer stocked full of stuff. I like feeling prepared, man. When I come home and it's time to make dinner, I like to go in. I got all my proteins lined up in there. Just makes me feel good about stuff. And with ButcherBox, you'll always be prepared with meat in the freezer. It means fewer trips to the grocery store. Delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping always. You get a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value. You'll get exclusive deals as a member, too. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash eater and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free and every order for a year. So every box you get has that in it free for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash meat eater. Make sure you use code meat eater to choose your free for a year offer plus $20 off your first order. Hey, heads up all you anglers. Montana Casting Company is a performance fly rod and reel company based right here in Montana, based in Helena. After building custom fly rods for more than 25 years, Montana native and lifelong fly fisherman Scott Joyner decided to apply his knowledge in designing three performance-driven fly rod models. These rods were designed to be performance rods and to withstand the abuse that a fishing guide's equipment endures day in, day out. Their fly rods are named after Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks fishing access sites, which is such a cool idea. And each model of fly rod is a tribute to Montana's rugged beauty and adventurous spirit. Their rods capture the look, feel, and craftsmanship of a custom-built fly rod. Montana Casting Company fly rods have been developed to achieve the perfect balance of performance, durability, and legacy quality craftsmanship head to montanacastingco.com and use code meateater20 at checkout for a one-time 20 percent off discount then all of a sudden and i'm thinking through my head because the day before steve was like when you see a turkey you do not move an inch not an <laughs> inch so i'm like you know i definitely don't want to be the one that f's everything up so i'm thinking in my mind all the things that you told me that i'm making sure i'm i'm good i'm prepared and then, <laughs> we've been hearing a gobbler behind us, and he was obviously with some hens because you kind of hear him go back and forth, yeah. and he never got closer. You could make him gobble, but it didn't do any good. 
And we all never sudden, knew exactly where he was. Like we were all, all kind of like, "Where is that coming from?" Like yeah. we weren't totally one hundred percent sure. Like some couple hundred yards away, yep. off yep. in some direction. Yep, yep. But then all of a sudden he's like, "It's like, oh, he's coming." Oh yeah. And then all of a sudden there was one gobble where literally he could have been sitting in my lap. Like I was like, "That is so close." That was loud as anything. But the we gobble still heard round the world. D- absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and it was, was so loud. Here's where it gets. Look, I want to like talk a little bit because I, I'm a big p- part of your mishap. It wasn't even a mishap. We keep calling. It, I, I keep calling it a mishap, but it was, well, it felt to me, it felt, it felt like, like a mishap, mishap, but it wasn't Definitely. an actual mishap. I keep thinking he's going to take the line of travel and come from our to our left, mm-hmm. like the hen did. Yeah, he's sort of kind of like calling from where she was calling. Um, and then the gobble heard around the world felt like it was in my lap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but he wasn't in my lap, and I couldn't see him in front of me, and I was so confused. Mm-hmm. And the only place I could think that it was was, like, clear across the field. Oh, interesting. So I'm like, how could it have Was sounded- there a blind side? To you? Like, you guys yeah. yeah. All yeah. behind us is yeah. solid, blind. and to the right is blind side. Yep. Oh. Yep. So it's just like, it feels like he's, like, yelling in my ear. Yep. But I'm like... Where is he? Yeah. Right. <laughs> And I'm like, he, uh, is it at all possible that it is somehow across this field? And it sounded like that. And so I'm in staring, trying oh, to find it. And then out of the corner of my eye, here running at us, <laughs> running at us is a turkey. <laughs> like sprinting? Yes. Yeah. yeah. As, fast, <laughs> as fast as a turkey runs. Yeah. It was fun. Yep. And, in, and, and I like and Seth's down there. We got a camera guy down there. A turkey running is not a good sign, typically. <laughs> typically not a good sign. And in the second that I register this happening, instead of there's there's two thoughts and like they're racing. And there's a thought in my head that was behind in the race, which is the true thought. That he's running up to the decoy. He's so jacked up that he's literally running <laughs> to the decoy. But that thought is lagging behind in this race to the fore of my mind. It is losing the race, the thought that's like, that turkey is out of here because something spooked it. But he's extremely close. <laughs> <laughs> like, how close? Close enough where I say, shoot the turkey, shoot the turkey. <laughs> And all we had prepared for was this stationary, this turkey that's standing there at 30 yards. Perfect scenario, right? to a box. Right, exactly. (laughs) Oh, we had prepared the perfect scenario. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I knew exactly where I was supposed to be aiming. I fit like I would have a little more time. Didn't really work out. It's hard to recreate the running turkey in my backyard, (laughs) you know? Well, maybe somebody should come up with that. Yeah. Because it would be nice to have some experience with a moving target. Yeah, totally. I think that was my hardest thing, too. It was like, wow, setting up and trying to move, but not move a lot because you're trying not to spook them. Yeah. And if you ask but, anyone, they'll tell you, never shoot at a moving turkey. But I, got, I have the lust. I have the lust. And I can see why. Like, I kind of felt like I even had the lust. And <laughs> this was my first freaking time. 
Like I can see where that that's like a very real reality. Mm-hmm. Totally. Especially after you feel like you've spent so much time grinding for this moment. Like I was like, here he is. You know? And if we had waited a second, he would have stood there for 30 seconds, a minute. Yep. Strutting. Yep. Kicking that thing. Well. Nuzzling it. But instead, I just like. But I will tell you. I just, I, I, it, it doesn't even make sense that I misjudged because he didn't have his head positioned how a spook turkey does. His head was tucked. Right. I just screwed up. But I was grateful. I screwed up too, though, Steve, because I didn't shoot as well as I, I would have liked to. Yeah, that- true outdoorsman. would have. That was a chip shot. I, I, am, I am working on my status, <laughs> but it is clear that I am not at that level. Not, <laughs> I'm working now, Seth. Come on. You'll get there. But, um, like, but you know what you got to do to get there, and you don't want to do that. Probably not. We told you. What? what how you tell a true outdoorsman. I don't think you told me that. Yeah, we tra- we we distilled we, it we down to one to, single thing. Shoot, <laughs> lay it on me. I wasn't there. I don't, don't, don't want to remind you because we can't talk about it. <laughs> oh, so Giannis and I secret. can't know the secret. secret. We told you. We told oh, you. Oh, I did hear about we it. We told something, you that we something sw- about trapping. No, 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 no. No. Go on. No, you're okay. Not, okay. I, A seasoned shooter, you in ten years. Okay. Would not have a I problem. Appreciate the you optimism. in ten you, you in ten years would okay. th- th- that would be not a bad shot. Oh, even yeah. next year. <laughs> okay, so oh. go on. So you're gonna practice a so, bunch. You take over. But I'm I saying, was appreciative. Shoot, shoot, yeah. Or whatever it I'm was, saying. It, you were very th- agitated. Y- very agitated. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, I've been in that position before. Buddies, you s- scream, whispering in your ear, shoot, shoot, shoot. Yeah. It is not cool. But but on the flip side, I actually feel very grateful that he was doing that because you wouldn't have shot on your own. I'm not sure. Like no, I she think she would have shot it standing there. She would have shot oh, it when he spent right. a minute Eventually, there. Yeah. But I, I appreciated the guidance. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was an intense guidance. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it was not like Tracy shoot the bird. It's time. It was shoot, shoot the bird. You know? And I was like, okay. It's a real problem of mine. It's a real problem of mine. Um, I feel that that uh, when I'm mentoring new hunters. I typically let them down at, at 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 the moment of truth. I don't feel like I was let down. Steve. I think I'm I'm running at a different. Uh, I, I I am I'm not sympathetic to the the pacing that they that they feel is comfortable. Well, I don't, and I want to force them right. into a more a quicker pacing. Right. Yeah, but I I mean for me personally, like I actually think it was helpful because I like to be pushed a little bit. Like I I. I like that challenge. So I didn't mind that. It was more a matter of because he came out from the right so unexpectedly. And I think you had eyes on him slightly before I even did. And then I was like, oh, my God, there he is. Oh, God. And then you're like, shoot the bird. And then I was like, this is time that I felt like I couldn't really like get my good shot. Obviously, I didn't get as good of a shot as I would have wanted. Walk through the shooting, but you have to use the word blouch instead of bang. Okay, I feel <laughs> I feel like some of it is like very foggy because <laughs> it was all it's all happened so damn fast too. Mm-hmm. So okay, so I'm set up, I'm I'm hunched down, I'm ready to go, and I see this bird come like shockingly out of my right hand side, and then you're like shoot shoot the bird, and I was like okay, <laughs> so I I pull the trigger. 
Blouch. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then and the, rolled it. <laughs> yeah, the bird flies up in the air. The, the wings are kind of like, and I was like, and I at that moment was like, Giannis told me that when you sometimes when you kill a turkey that they can like flounder or flap for a little bit before they die. Is that what's happening? That in usually my mind. means a good hit. Oh, Steve. No, uh, no, I don't know. Saying, At that point, I didn't know. Okay. Take it to farming for a minute. Okay. In the old days, mm-hmm. and still today in some cases, mm-hmm. people will dispatch a chicken, say, yep, by beheading it. Yep. And what do those chickens do? Do they just fall over and never even twitch? No, they kind of like do it. Or a... do they run around the barnyard? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you get a direct hit on a turkey, it doesn't, like, the best direct hit on the turkey oftentimes doesn't immediately register to one as a lethal hit mm-hmm. because there is a lot of activity that happens or action that his happens. head is a his head has been like effectively removed right by a direct shot from a shotgun but there is a lot of movement yep so that's what i was thinking was potentially that's transpiring I, for a split i think second, you said something you were like yes you got him or something like that and i was like oh really like i was a little taken aback by shock and then literally you were like, shoot again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny how fast they can go from flopping to having their legs underneath them. When they have their legs underneath them, yeah, it's true. And that's what Steve said. Steve was like, I saw that he was getting his legs underneath him and it wasn't a lethal shot. And at that point, I think my mind was so flustered that I was like, oh, goodness gracious. Like, I was a little bit a wreck, kind of. That I don't think I could focus enough to like, regroup and like shoot effectively again i think that was the issue because i was stressed and i was panicked and i was like i've hit him but i haven't lethally hit him and now we have an issue and you had two more shells in the old clip that's correct (laughs) the old tube yep what happened neither one of them touched a bird (laughs) (laughs) i shot them but they did not touch the bird and i was like this is a disaster then it started to like sink in that I was like, this is exactly what I was most fearful would happen. Which is? That I would injure a bird and not lethally shoot him. And mm-hmm. that I would cause pain and suffering to an animal. And that was exactly what happened. So, but like, you don't really have a chance to like process that all because you're like, we got to go, we got to go find him. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, we got to go, we got to go find the bird. So it's like, you're trying to process all of what just transpired, but like, but there's no time, no time. Cause you're off running across the field, looking for tracks, trying to locate him, trying to find him, trying to find where he went. Like while that all is happening, like you still have a lot of adrenaline going but I couldn't help but, like, in my mind, think about what that poor bird was going through, which probably isn't necessarily realistic, but that was exactly where my head went. Yeah. was like, he's in pain, he's suffering, like, how, you know, he didn't expect this, this isn't fair. Like, I was going through all of those types of emotions. Coupled with the fact that I was like, God damn it, why did I suck so bad? Like, I was annoyed that I felt like I had not capitalized successfully and, like, impressively on the moment. Let's say we had had your first hunt. We had decided it was going to be a 
uh, deer hunt, mm-hmm. a rifle deer hunt. Mm-hmm. And we knew that in the best case, like how it typically goes, best case scenario, we would instruct you to, when we get a chance at a deer, we're going to shoot behind the front shoulder Yep. so that we punch a hole yep. through its lungs. We don't waste any of the shoulder meat. Yep. Okay. And we knew that what would happen would be you'd hit the deer, the deer's going to run off. Yep. 10 yards, 100 yards. Yep. And run off, bleed out, pile up, and die. Yep. And we knew going into it, that's what it was going to look like. Yep. How would you feel if that happened? Because effectively, you shoot a turkey, it has some moment of panic. Yep. Runs off, dies. There's a little bit of a time expires, but runs off, gets in the brush, dies. Yep. And some time, some whatever, minutes elapsed. Yep. Um, but it wasn't what we thought would happen because we thought the tip where you yep. shoot a turkey and he just dies. Yep. If I like how much of it was disappointment that it didn't go as we planned, and how much of it was the horror of it having this brief moment of confusion and pain. So I think it's the second that second point was probably what I was struggling with the most. But then after I kind of processed those emotions, I was like, oh, the disappointment of not having it go exactly as I had hoped or as you guys would have wanted it to go. That that was secondary. Yeah. So if we had shot a deer and I was like, perfect shot, but the deer ran off and we see it like go and it crosses a creek and goes and runs over a hill. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, I'm nervous. And I'm like, no, 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 it's perfect shot. Yep. And we go over there and there it is dead. Yep. Would you have been really upset about the distance, the time and distance that elapsed? Or would that not be upsetting to you? Um, no, I think it would have been upsetting to me. However, like given the fact that we were in the, I was in a situation with you kind of guiding me and providing your expertise and your experience and perspective, if you had counseled me in that situation to say, this is quite common, I guarantee you that, you know, we'll find him, you know, very close or what have oh. you, that would, that would ease my concern. No, I was shocked that we found it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that is it, why. Instead, he's like, that is oh, correct, Steve. No. That is why I think I could read that from you. And I was like, this is a tricky, like, we now have a very tricky situation. Yeah. Hey, you guys got lucky. I mean, totally. Mo- most people, when bird gets out of sight of you, they don't leave a blood trail. I, it was a range of emotions because we got, the first thing we did is went and checked the riverbank. Mm-hmm. And couldn't find running turkey tracks crossing it. And Seth had had enough experience, even though Seth's behind the scenes. Seth had had enough experience where he's like, when they hit this thick stuff, they just, they'll just buckle in. down. They'll yeah. yeah. In. It seems like that with like most birds, you know, when waterfowl hunting, like their defense is to fly away. So when they can't do that, they just find a spot to tuck in and they just sit very still. Mm-hmm. And I've seen turkeys do that before. Mm-hmm. So. No, I feel very grateful that we were able to recover him, honestly. It took a while to process it all emotionally, but had that not been the final outcome, I feel like I would have felt very differently about my whole experience. Have you eaten any of the turkey yet? I have. Well, how did, what did you do with it? I made turkey schnitzel, just like you told me to. Did you enjoy it? It was a huge success, and I'm going to make some more turkey schnitzel this weekend because Jeremiah's dad and brother are in town. And so I figured it would be fun to cook up some turkey for so them. So your future father-in-law, future brother-in-law. Yeah, that's nice. right. Nice. And t- mm-hmm. walk me through how you made your schnitzel. Well, I followed your recipe. Oh, okay, so you did like Oh, that. absolutely. Did I'm not some, just like you put some winging wrap? my turkey schnitzel. I followed <laughs> the 
expertise recipe by the book. Did you uh, put saran wrap down when you hammered it out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was freaking ser- awesome. You liked it? You started with lemon? Yep. The lemon makes all the difference in the world. Lemon is, is, is critical. Um, hearing this, what, how do you feel about this, Maggie, that, that, um, that you haven't had any? I just want to go back out there and get one. Did you guys, you guys didn't know this, but um, you should probably, Tracy, pass a little bit of turkey I meat. already did. Oh, she did. She gave you some Steve, turkey Steve, give me a little more credit than that. <laughs> <laughs> she did. She shared with me, which I'm very grateful for and appreciative. <laughs> after, our, after our hunt and, and our surprise about the turkey not just piling up dead, um, I thought for a couple minutes, I was like, there's a 0% chance Tracy will be doing this again. <laughs> And then an hour later, I put it to you, and you were already at 90. Yeah, and I would tell you I'm at 100 now. Like, even with further distance from it and the reflection of it and just the um, kind of perspective that I have on the whole experience and how magnificent it was and also just the connection to the outdoors and spending that time kind of connected to nature. Like, even probably if I hadn't got a bird, I would probably tell you now I'd be 100% likely to do it again, that I want to do it again. Uh-huh. And partly there's this mentality of like, I want to do it again better. Like I want to improve mm-hmm. upon my previous experience. I want to get more comfortable. I want to be more accurate and effective. Like I want to get better at it. Totally. Where are you at, Aunt Maggie? 110. <laughs> and it's funny, it's weird to see this in you where, not that it contradicts something I thought about you, but it's weird to see in you. There's sort of like a, um, like a, a friendly sort of vendetta kind of thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, because you, you're competitive. You're obviously competitive, mm-hmm. and so you, I, I can see that you don't like, like you don't like the feeling of having not been successful, but not mm-hmm. in a pouty way. No. But in a way where you're, this isn't over. I'll figure this out. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think that's what draws me to running and in individual sports and. In Get go, and I'd say hunting is definitely falls. I mean, it's not sport necessarily. I mean, there's yeah. more to it than that. But you do it but, like you're going out there for a purpose. Yep. And mm-hmm. there's a thing you want to happen, and mm-hmm. you're gonna and you're wanting to make that thing happen. Yeah, and I think that's why I was a decent athlete in college is that I didn't get down if I didn't perform well in a race. It was not like that's like the end all be all. You know, there's mm-hmm. room to improve and reflect on that and get better. And I don't know. I came away with just so much appreciation that just. And fun. Like, I had so much fun. Makes me just want to go do it again. Maggie went to Josh Pristine when we got home and uh, ordered herself up a SA08. I didn't Weather know that. Synthetic 20 gauge. Yep. You did? Yep. Just got word. I'm getting it. Wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the drive is there. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Is this going to be the first firearm in your household? Mm hmm. It's the first time my mom's probably hearing about it right now. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah american gun owner yeah i think to think to our experience just from like chasing that one bird and having it be so intimate like we tried other places i was always like yeah let's go here sure Giannis, whatever you think but that intimate moment was just i don't know that's addicting you're gonna yeah. rig up uh you're gonna rig up a safe place in your house to keep it you gotta you guys don't have kids running around though no yeah Mm-mm. Need your help, but yeah, tell me what to do. <laughs> um, well, if it's grown ups, I mean, it's different, but yeah, no kids. That's exciting. Yeah, thanks. Now, what, are you going <laughs> to hunt deer this year? 
If you guys will help teach me, sure. <laughs> okay. Any final thoughts? Mm-hmm. I don't know. No. Sneaky no. Pete's still out there. I mean, the turkey's still alive. Yanni went and checked. I know. Yeah, I went and him another day. He worked. He, oh man, did he make a fool of me that day? Um, but Seth's going this weekend. I think he's, he's, you we're going to, we're going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to check on him. Yeah, nice. he, he should. <laughs> see if he's still around. Sneaky I'm out of Pete. days, man. He's too, he's a little too far away. If he was like, 10 to 30 minutes away i'd probably work something out but he's two mm-hmm. hours away so yeah you going camping for the whole weekend up there yeah so you can put some time in yeah you it's supposed to be beautiful nice. too mm-hmm. oh it's gonna be, be a good yeah, turkey weekend good in weekend. montana man yeah yeah tracy you got any final thoughts two final thoughts that i want to share one is <clears throat> you know i feel like a lot of people talk about the importance of like having a mentor as you get into hunting And I never really understood. I mean, of course, you always want to have somebody that can like help teach you or, you know, kind of show you the ropes. I never really understood the real value of being able to try something new with people who are so experienced and so, um, so much of an expert in kind of the, the area. Um, And I feel like I would have never been able to kind of embrace this new adventure without that. So really grateful, honestly, for you Mm -hmm. guys taking the time to kind of introduce us because the the knowledge that was imparted, the experience that was imparted, the level of security that I felt knowing that I had somebody next to me who is an expert who could help guide and navigate any situation that would potentially arise was monumental. Mm -hmm. And I would say to anybody who's looking to kind of try something new, especially in the world of hunting, finding that is so valuable. Like that is, that was a critical part of um, me being able to experience this and wanting to experience it again. And then two, I would just say I was really grateful to be surrounded by people who are just badass people that really like to just also have fun. So like while things were really tough, had there not been the laughter that there was, Mm -hmm. it would have been a whole different ball game. And so being able to infuse a little bit of that fun and that laughter, like I felt like I had a really awesome group around me supporting me even in my my worst moments because you guys saw a lot of shit that you probably would never, you know, have seen. Um, I was really grateful for that. No, thank you. So thank you guys. To piggyback on that too, I mean, how many times you try something new and it's like an expert trying to show you, but that's not willing to come down to your level or like they make you feel dumb in that situation or you don't know what they're talking about. I mean, this was like eye opening and I don't know, very appreciative and grateful for the experience. Well, and good. knowledge that's like bestowed on me. I mean, that's not lost on me. I still think about turkeys when I'm going to bed at night. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's fun? What, what's fun about uh, going out with you guys and showing you some things there is that uh, you're open about kind of like open about what you know and don't know, and it's nice to see things through new eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and for people to be like have the sort of self confidence and willingness to kind of like fess up about what they aren't aware of or what they haven't seen before because it helps you sort of guide someone and, and understand what they're going through. And I think there's a lot of times there's a way that, that some people get into a situation and they feel like they kind of want to bluff mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. way along. And that oh, yeah. bluffing along can actually be a real impediment mm-hmm. to kind of mm-hmm. meaningful progress because there's sort of a posturing totally. that mm-hmm. someone might have like, oh, this is nothing new to me and oh yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and it just it gets awkward and weird but to have to to be with people who have that self-confidence to kind of like to express marvel or express interest and what you don't know and do know what you're comfortable with and not comfortable with makes the whole thing pleasurable and easy and there's never there's no um weirdness or tension that arises yeah totally from someone who like from someone being a bullshitter right totally totally yes yeah hoping a year from now you guys just roll in about 11 one morning you guys are like dude there he was (laughs) have like some real good you know hunting stories that and you guys weren't with Steve or myself dragging a couple rope draggers behind you. Yeah, or, or coming in and yeah, with dead turkeys. Come check it out. Um, that'll be this great. Is my new fan behind my desk. I hope. Yeah, I hope to see that. But no, I was gonna say, Tracy, you should really play up the like the the provider role when you are serving this turkey this weekend to your to your soon to be in laws. Cause this is yeah. great. I just like I just I, I want to like imagine that you're in there and your father-in-law and your brother-in-law and you're like, yeah, well, you know, someone around here has got to bring home the music, <laughs> you know, yep. serve it up. You'd be like, well, guys, well, guys do that. Yeah, well, well, little lady, what do we have here? Yeah. You'd be like, just something I shot. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little something I shot out in the woods. <laughs> Yeah, I think they're all just a bit shocked. I think yeah. they're like, oh, I didn't expect this out of you. Knew you were moving to totally. Montana. I got a lot of hats and a lot of gloves, gloves for Christmas this year, but we did not expect this. Yep. Well, I just keep getting shocked from everyone, too. Tell mm-hmm. so I leveled off old Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> old Willie Nilly Bells? Old, old, Nelly, <laughs> old Nelly Bells. When old Nelly, Nelly, Bells. When old Nelly Bell barks. <laughs> Yep. All right, so next time we'll talk with you guys. We'll, be, we'll talk after we deer hunt this fall. I'm down. Let's I'm do down. it. Okay. I'm game. Got to get some practice in in the meantime. Seth, you got any final things? Are we good? Go ahead. Uh, it was just one of the most memorable, I think, meat eater shoots that I've been on. Just because of the laughing and mm-hmm. like the just seeing like two people have never done this thing before. Um, we had a lot of fun. We sure did. We laughed a lot. <laughs> it was a good time. We need to frame that ninja. The ninja hammer. <laughs> oh, and I yep. found out you weren't a true outdoorsman. That's right. What? Remember the, be- <laughs> the, the beaver trapping thing. Come dark that one night. Yeah, you, you wanted to go to bed. <laughs> you didn't want to head you, out. I was like, you no. go out because uh, you're going like, to go out and set a little steel, and you wanted to go to bed. <laughs> I, I was down, but you advised me it would not be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on then having to get washed off. 
I just run a hoodie. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. It is a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that they need and that meets them where they are and helps them get through challenges. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible. It's simple to use. You can connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. 